I just want to give a big thanks to our sponsor at BetterHelp. Easy and affordable online therapy. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Funches. That's BetterHelp.com slash Funches for 10% off. Big love out your head. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thanks for you watching the podcast. Thanks for the people who came and saw my new podcast. If you don't know it, if you're a fan of my wrestling episodes, like when we had Stone Cold Steve Austin, when we had so many wonderful people like that, Nick Gage as well, I now have a wrestling podcast every Sunday. It is live on Spotify. It's me, wrestling guests, and you. That's right. It's a live chat experience. It's called One Fall with Ron Funches, and you can check it out on Spotify Live. Please go ahead and follow the account so that you can chat along with us. Other than that, you know you can get on the Twitch, twitch.com, Ron underscore Funches. You can be a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash getting better with Ron, and you can get a shout out on this podcast. You can get thank you notes. You can get posters. You can get free tickets to my shows when I'm in your area just by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Like our good friends this week, we have Gerard, and I was going to say your last name. That's why I stretched it out, but I was like, maybe he doesn't want me to. So I'm just going to say Gerard out there in Illinois. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You truly are a hero of mine and a king. And speaking of kings of kings, men of men, people who could destroy anybody who they want to, but they're too kind for that type of pettiness. We're talking about my good friend, Suruj Sanyal. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast, Suruj Sanyal. I hope I'm pronouncing it. I'm doing the best I can. Suruj Sanyal. Suruj Sanyal. Maybe it's Suraj, but I think it's Suruj. But either way, I've said it enough different ways that I said it night right at least once. And I love your name. That's a beautiful name. It sounds like the name of a warrior or a prince. And I enjoy you and you are amazing. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Other than that, you know what to do. Like and subscribe if you're on the YouTube. Help the account grow. And we're doing more and more content for you and so please support us and then watch loot on apple tv plus watch harley quinn on hbo max come see me perform i'll be in minneapolis and chicago minneapolis on the fourth chicago on the fifth we got kansas city coming up on the 11th through the 13th i believe and then we got san diego and then i'm gonna be home for a while so please come and see me while you can romfunches.com for tickets now let's get to the show I hope you're feeling strong. I hope you're feeling brave. I hope you're feeling loved. And I hope you're grateful for that love. I'm grateful for the opportunities that I have. That my job lets me travel all over the place, including to last week to places like, like Phoenix, Arizona. So I can visit my mom and my sister and see my niece and my nephew. And just remember all the times where when I was struggling doing comedy, when I wasn't making enough money, um, all the memories and all the things that I missed, all the birthdays I missed, my sister's graduation from college that I missed, all the things that I really had to take a loss on. And now it, they seem so worth it that I'm able to travel how I want to and spend time how I want to and enjoy my family. And it's, sometimes you got to um, do things that people might cons think that you're, you're wrong for. Like so many people were mad when I missed my sister's graduation. They thought it was a real indicator to the fact that I wasn't living my life well and I wasn't making enough money, but I knew that I was just on a path and I was on a grind to being where I want to be. And now I wake up in the day and I have a beautiful home and beautiful wife and pool and cars. And it just, I never want to be ungrateful for that. And I just love 
the fact more than material things, more than the security that um, the home provides. I just love the opportunities that I get to go out and have fun and live my life. One of the best things, I mean, follow your passions, follow your dreams, because they don't, they don't tend to take you where you think they're going to go, but they will lead you to somewhere spectacular. They will lead you on a journey. They will lead you on an adventure. And my life is so much better and so much different because I took a leap, because I took a chance when I thought I could be good at something. And if you have that inside of you, if you have a desire to something that you know you're naturally inclined at, something that you're good at, something that you're really passionate about, that you're willing to start at the bottom of, then I think you got to get into it and get to it, get to work at it because you'll be always wondering what if. And it's always better to fail than to never try. And I just think about where I would be in my life if I just listen to people who told me that, hey, you already have a kid, you already, you're poor, you don't do stuff, you a uh, community college dropout. How are you going to get involved in the entertainment business? How are you going to go in comedy? You're going to put your son in danger. You're going to uh, be wasting time, you know? A lot of people think you're just wasting time trying to play around. But if you know what you really are and you know what you want to be and you have a passion, you're lucky. A lot of people don't find their passions. for. Some of them don't find their passions for the whole life. They just have to, you know, fill your life with regular stuff. And that's fine, too. If you find your passion through family, through cooking, you know, but, but that turns often into a lucrative passion right there. But some people never find them. So if you do find yours and if you find it at an early age, it's your duty is your um, responsibility to hone that passion and to hone your craft and to do what you can to push yourself to be the best version of you. Um, it's just important because it makes life fun. Just the simple things. I love the shows in Arizona. It's so nice when you go to places um even, you know, going to Kansas City, going to Arizona, places that, uh, 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 less abortion-y places, I guess, is the one of the easiest ways that I could put it. But sometimes it's nice to go out there and be that voice that people are like, man, I thought that way too, but I don't, I don't get reinforcement on that out here. Everybody looks at me like I'm a weirdo because I'm progressive or because I believe these certain things. And when you can go into these places and show people that there are people that think like you. Um, and then it's just the dude who, who worked at the club in Phoenix who just told me, you know, he just told me, hey, man, you're killing it out there and we're counting on you. Keep up the good work. And I knew exactly what he meant. Count on me to remain free and happy and to provide an example of what it means to put in hard work to live the life that you want to live and to always do your best and kill it when you can. And that's what I try to do. And that's the, the legacy I hope I'll try to leave behind for my sons as someone who always put in their best effort, who worked their hardest and who, who made a way out of no way, who made a way from bad circumstances and, you know, now leading into hopefully generational wealth. That's what I'm trying to build for my family. And that only comes from taking chances, from doing the things that you want to do. And again, it's not just about monetary things. One of the greatest feelings I had in the world is that we were in the middle of Phoenix, Arizona, that this club just wanted to smoke a joint at lunchtime and just got to go into this open restaurant that was attached to the club, go into the green room in the middle of the day, just smoke a joint. And then they were like, oh, since you guys are here, can we bring you lunch? Where else in the middle of Arizona can you just, what job? Would allow you to just start smoking weed, and then they're like, "Oh, you must, you might be hungry. Can we bring you some snacks?" And then, because there were actual patrons at the establishment, all they did was go like, "Hey, do you mind if we?" Oh, I hope it's not a bother, but can we close the door? <laughs> what is my life? <laughs> <laughs> 
They're asking me, the pothead, if it's okay if uh they close the door so that they <laughs> But I could just continue doing what I'm doing. It's a beautiful life. And it's simple things like that that come from just making that leap, making that effort, and having a positive attitude. You know, because nothing's, nothing's owed to you. Everything you get, you earn. And, and some things you earn, you don't get. And that's just part of life. Another person that has this beautiful, positive attitude and it's just a joy to be around is our next guest. I enjoyed this conversation very much. They're an upcoming star. You might have seen her. If you were a fan of me, hopefully you've seen her because she plays Ainsley on loop. She's musical theater queen all over the place. You might have seen her in Newsies. I don't know the names of these things. <laughs> I'm trying to act like I know what I'm talking about. I don't, but what I do know is that she's a great actor, she's a great person, and she's a beautiful spirit and a beautiful lady. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation that we have today with my friend, Stephanie Styles. Enjoy it! I'm so excited to be here. Oh, you really did wear the sweater that you said you were going to wear? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I a lot of people talk about what they're gonna wear on your podcast when they start the podcast. So I was one of those people. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming prepared. Oh, let's get right into it. I like to start the podcast with praise. It makes me feel good. Hopefully, it'll make you feel good as well and tell you why I wanted you on the podcast. Stephanie, I invited you on this podcast because we got to work together on an amazing adventure in a project called Loot with Maya Rudolph. And it was so much fun working with you and just being around you. And then um, just being able, it's fun watching Maya Rudolph with you, which was really. <laughs> we both oh, my God, right. really? oh my God, this is great, right? This is great. <laughs> But more than that, it's just they're getting to know you. It just is so fun to see how talented you are and how good of an actor you are and learning how great you are in musical theater. And then, um, but more than that, just how good you are as a person The in this job. It's one of the things that people say is not only do you need to be talented, is that you need to be the type of person that you would want to spend 14 to 16 hours with. And that's pretty rare. Um, but to... Being around you is always a positive and always makes you feel better, always made me feel more confident and always made me um, just enjoy the job a lot more. And so I wanted to just invite you on the podcast so I get to know you a little bit more. Well, thank you for having me. You know, I definitely listen and I I love that you feel confident around me because I love hyping you up because you're the best. And I think that, you know, it, it takes so much to make it look so easy. But at the same time, I know how much you love. I mean, what we're specifically doing at our job is, you know, this workplace comedy and you just come in and can do everything in a, a single take. But then you have all these ideas and you're just you are amazing and you're so great at it. You're so great on camera. You're so great in cast holding and everyone just you're the best. And I'm such a fan. And Gosh, I like feel like my dimples are all the way out because I just I love talking about our job and our show and and I miss you and I miss hanging out with everyone. But it's been great to watch. And this last episode was so great, like one of my favorites. And I just loved and you got your podcast had an Easter egg. <laughs> yeah for people who don't know i mean if you listen to this podcast go check out the latest episode of loot because as we're walking up to um molly's uh family's home where she hasn't seen them in quite a while and she's feeling unconfident i give her a positive affirmation and there's just a little easter egg that i put in and i was so happy i think that's one of the um great things about the job is how much it really is a team effort and how they allow us to bring parts of ourselves um not just for me but for you for them to allow you to be such a lover of disney and a disney princess in the show Full, full Disney adult. And I was thinking about that. I do think you and I are the people who, even though our characters are obviously very different in a lot of ways from us, 
I feel like we are two of the people who get to have most of these little shout outs to who we are. The Venn diagram of Ainsley and Howard and Ron and Stephanie. There's some, there's some crossover. There's some no, crossover. No, 100% crossover. I'll, yes, for sure. Um, but let's talk a bit about your history. I was doing some research on you and it told me that you basically got interested in acting at a very, in theater in particular at an early age because of the Phantom of the Opera. Is that true? <laughs> This is the this is the most amazing thing to hear you say this wrong because it's just it's I mean it's just great but yeah I did and um yeah I did I saw the the opera when I was um I always say four I think but definitely probably too young to be seeing the Phantom of the Opera it's kind of a more uh, dramatic musical but um you know I loved I was. Uh, you know, a kid during the Disney Renaissance. So we're talking, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Hunchback Notre Dame. And I think there was this theme of the a Phantom of the Opera type story in some of those um, animated movies. And so I went and I loved it so much. I asked my parents if I could go the next night and they said, you know, normally that's like not really how this works with musicals, but we'll see what we can do. It was the touring production. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I saw it and I just loved it. And I think so much of my love for Disney and my love of Broadway, which, you know, was the like genesis of my love for performing came from the medium of musicals. And so I'm just really, really lucky to have discovered what I loved at such a young age. And the fact that it's been a through line this whole time has been really, really cool. No, I love that. I think that's um, a blessing that a lot of people don't get to experience. And I want to get into that before before I do. I want to ask Christian a quick question. Is Stephanie breaking up a little bit on us? Do you think we need to get... It sounds fine. Okay, perfect. It's probably my different headphones that I'm using. I love this. What are different? What are different about your headphones this time? Uh, that I lost the ones that I normally lose, use because they're wireless, and I don't know where I put them. So I was scrambling around for like eight minutes trying to find something that would connect to my computer so that I could talk to you. That's it. I feel like your headphones are probably one of your major tools in your toolbox. Like your headphones they- must mean a lot to you. They do, which is why I'm mad that I misplaced the ones that I like the most. But I, I will survive. Um, one of the things I do, we, you talked about the theme that I think is important and rare, but also just something when when you get people who support your likes and support your interests at an early age, it can really be such a, a boon to your later down the road um it can really help you kind of experience success quicker because you've basically been training for this since you were a kid um so i just wanted to know you must have such great parents <laughs> that would be like yes i would i would if my son wanted to go to some two days in a row because he loved, he must have really loved it i would be like i don't want to come back again no, I think I think you would have. I think, you know, if there was a Yu-Gi-Oh something, you would have been there. You would have been supporting. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh the musical. I wonder if that exists. Probably. Uh, why not? Yeah. It probably does. Um, but no, my parents were really, really great. And I think um they've always been so supportive. And, you know, Phantom's this cute little thing because it also they randomly went on. They both loved theater, but they'd never been involved in theater until you know, I started doing it and um, their first date was to see it in New York City because it was like the cool thing to do. It just come out. And um, so it's kind of this interesting, like invisible string through it all. But no, they've been amazing and they've been deeply supportive. And I, I love them so much for that. And they've taken some big sacrifices for me in that when I was uh, I traveled because I started working as a younger actor and I went on a national tour of a musical when I was 11 and my mom came with me and my dad stayed home with my brother, but then she would go. And um, I had another actress in the company who would be like my legal guardian sometimes. And so she would go visit my brother and then come back. And yeah, I'm really grateful for the community and the support that I had as um, 
someone who worked as an actor as a kid. But then also they were just very honest with me and that really just gave me a lot of perspective. And I went home and, you know, there was a moment where I was doing an opera in New York when I was 14 and I could have stayed there and done that or come back home to Texas and have kind of a normal high school experience. And they were totally up for whatever I wanted to do. But I, I, for some reason was like, I think I need a regular high school experience. So I went back and they were just so awesome about that. And I'm so grateful for them. And, and, you know, I had a great conversation with your mom at your barbecue and she was talking about just how much she, you know, loves the show and, and talking about, and like flying, you know, back and forth to see your sister and you. And I just think it's so great that um, we still have them celebrate. And my, my family, as you know, loved Undateable. And so they're big Ron fans. And I do get, you know, a good breakdown of the episode every week. And they are big Ron fans. So <laughs> all, all full circle. Well, I love it. I love to hear it. Um, what made you decide that you, because I, I do wonder about that, of being an actor at such a young age and, and starting as a child, it's in, all, often you just hear about these horror stories or people who either are, you know, end up addicted to drugs or unable to cope with what it means to have like a regular life or just, um, become kind of, you know, so used to other people taking care of them that they don't have, like, I feel like, you know, it kind of stunts your growth. So for you, what, what do you think that made you go like, I need to not follow, you know, I need to be home and have a regular high school life. Is that some of the things that you were worried about or what, what made you do that? I definitely think so. I think it was, you know, I think being a working actor when I was younger and very much in the the theater, the theater space. I did one PBS TV show that I don't even know if it really existed because I can't find any real traces of it on the internet, but I remember it happening and it was great. But um, but I I think I was so aware. It was enough of a time where there was this dialogue about what can happen when kids start acting when they're young. So I was so aware of it. And I think, you know, I I just think there was maybe this little like perfectionist anxiety about being like, well, like I can do this, but maybe I have to be careful all the time, like being super careful. Like I remember that feeling. And um, I think I just was really lucky because you just never know. And it, it, it so can happen to anyone and it happens all the time. But I think also it just, I was surrounded by other amazing younger actors and great parents And I also think I knew that I had enough people give me advice when I was younger that were like, you know, to be a good actor, you need experiences. And I think going to high school is such a huge experience and something I really wanted to experience after having, you know, been tutored or taught on the road or in New York and things. So I was I was really excited about that. And I had a really normal classic high school experience and I'm really grateful for it as also when I went to college I was on this musical theater track and a lot of people go to conservatories and I I knew I wanted to go somewhere where I had you know other classes in other things and um that's why I ended up at the University of Michigan which I loved also so much and was so grateful for that experience well, I think that's really um, moving with intention and moving with knowing what you want to do in life so that you were like, oh, I need to have a full life, a full experience so that I'm not um, solely reliant and you're not solely valuing yourself based off of if you get a part or if you get cast in something to have more of a full life allows you to, you know, find value in just being who you are, being a good person. Or, you know, for me, I find value in being a good dad and things of that nature. And I think if so many people in our industry, especially, I mean, I know we do different things, but for me in stand-up comedy, so many people wrap up their whole 
individuality their whole life and being a comedian. And I like, um, and it just, you know, was a quote that I was hearing about, like from Bill Russell who passed away, but he was always like, I'm not a basketball player. I'm a man that plays basketball. And I think that's always, especially with the pandemic, it really helped me be like, I can't define myself by my job or by what I do. I, I, I'm bigger than that. And it seems really cool that you had that kind of insight from a young age. It, I'm grateful to have had it. And at the same time, you know, I do, you're talking about how some people, you know, don't develop or whatever. I still like, I am a Disney adult. So there probably is some carryover of I'm still developing. Oh, we all, no one said you're not a weirdo. That's <laughs> I'm like, I still have that. And I definitely had, um, I was, had more rebellious years later on in life and things like that. But, but I, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have had that and known that my whole life. But at the same time, it, it was very, uh, focused and I, the pandemic was such a huge time to, when all of that was taken away, you know, discover, who I was outside of that and what I wanted. And even right before it, even just, I was such a musical theater person. And I don't know if were your aspirations always like comedy and acting or what was your like main aspiration? Uh, my main aspiration when I was a kid, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to be involved in comedy when I was like five years old from like watching stand up and watching I love Lucy and things of that nature. And when I actually started, though, I was just like, my only goal was like, I want to be able to pay my bills and take care of my son with, with stand up. And I was just focused on stand up. But um, I always like taking advantage of opportunities. And even more than that, I don't like to do the same thing every day. I get bored and I don't like to be bored. So like, I'm always into like, Oh, if that's something new that I haven't done, if you want me to try, you know, acting, going acting, I was like, Oh, I've never, I'll try it. Why not? Maybe I'll like it. And then I was the first time I bombed at an audition. I was like, Oh my God, this feels like when I bomb on stage on the set, I don't like this feeling. I hate this feeling and I know I can do better. And it was like, Oh, I like th that type of passion that I get for it. And so I knew I liked that. Um, was first time I, you know, I didn't do, it wasn't like, oh, I did it first time and I got a role and it was great. It was like, I bombed, I bombed for a while. Cause it's a lot of a different skill set. One of the greatest early lessons I got from my acting coach was she was like, well, in stand up, your job is to comment on life and in acting, your job is to live that life. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and that shifted the way that I even started writing my standup to be more about me being in the moment and me living my life. Cause I feel like when you're kind of like commenting on it, it's more like, a little more snide, you know, it's a little more aloof. And sometimes you see that in comedians who try to act. And when you need someone, the best acting just seems so simple and realistic and someone just living that moment, you know? Well, you're doing a great job of that on loot, especially Thank in this last step. Thank it. you so much. I also love your acting teacher, by the way. Oh, yeah. She's great. She's, she's the great. best. We talked to she, her a bunch of the parties. She's had an episode. She's been, she had an episode on the podcast. <laughs> I have to go back and listen. I need all her wisdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ended up a couple people. I talked to later I met who are like, I listened to, I ended up, she became my acting coach online because of the pod. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Amazing. Can we put the link in the description below for this one on YouTube, perhaps? <laughs> Get to that episode. Keep it going. I just want to give a big thanks to our sponsor at BetterHelp. Do you have a car? You probably do. Or you ride the bus. Either way, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you. But if your car wasn't working, if it was running out of gas, if the oil was murky and gross, wouldn't you take it in to fix it? Wouldn't you maintain it? Well, your brain is more important than your car, right? I think so. Mental health is more important than just riding around town. That's why you got to take care of your brain and better help is there to help you. It's online therapy that is easy, convenient, and affordable. They 
specialize in so many things lgbtq matters grief relationships whatever type of problem you're going on with right now in your life you need to talk to somebody about it why not a personal online therapist you don't even have to you can do it just with voice chat if you don't want to talk to somebody if you're not feeling up to that but you know you need something in your life well they're there for you there as well so just please if you need help go and get it it's more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours and of course our listeners at getting better get 10 percent off their first month at betterhelp.com slash punches that's better h-e-l-p.com slash punches Let's talk about how, because I believe when when we met, we were talking about that you had just moved to L.A. not too recently before that, right? Well, I think that was like a big thing in that I was really focused on, I went to school for musical theater. I Since I did my first musical at six, I was like, I'm a musical theater person and I love it. I love musical theater, but I, you know, had such a great experience. But when I did, you know, I did a Broadway show in 2019 and it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I, when it was over, I was like, what now? What do, what do I do? And I had been to LA before when in the musical theater world, a lot of times you do these readings and these workshops and they're kind of like pilots and they don't get picked you don't get a theater or it doesn't happen. And I had done a few of those and I was kind of at this point where I couldn't, you know, the next bunch of musicals had happened and I didn't get to audition because I was already involved with something else. And so I came to LA to see what it was like. And I'd been there with the show Newsies and had experiences, but I just loved living here in LA so much. And I loved it, but I just, you know, never thought it was a possibility because I was so theater And when the Broadway show ended, I, you know, asked myself, what did I want to do? And I wanted to come back to L.A. as a person, you know, even though I knew I had some experience in film and television, but nowhere the amount of specific training as I had in musical theater. But I I came back and end of 2019. But but I wasn't I didn't know if that was going to happen, if I was going to stay. And then the pandemic happened and. I thought I was going to be by coastal and I went, no, I'm going to be in LA. And so by the time we started shooting end of September, 2021, I had lived here for maybe, you know, at that point, like a year solid with some trips for work, but I was just getting out. Like I still didn't know LA and I had never done a consistent job on a lot before. And that was just, so exciting and this job was I know you believe so much in manifestation and I'm not I I didn't really purposefully ever manifest it but actually my my last night in New York City before I moved to LA was my first date with my boyfriend who we're still dating three years now and he also was like what you know what's next like and I I was like I would really love to live in LA and to work in LA and I love comedy and I love, 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 and you hinted on it earlier, like collaboration and like a community. And I think that's so, I find that often in theater, but if I could just do something that was with a bunch of amazing people who I could learn from, who were nice and make each other laugh and live in LA, like ultimately that would be the dream. And I didn't imagine, especially in the middle of the pandemic, or at the end, middle, where are we? <laughs> just when it all happened, I was so surprised by it and just like, oh, I like don't want to cry, but I was so grateful. And I just love our job so much. I don't know why I'm crying. I love our job. I love it too. It's really I fun. Love foundation. It's, it's real grateful to be there. Yeah. Can you tell me about um, how you got the job and what the audition process was like for you? It was very simple, Ron. It was one self-tape that I was visiting my family. So I had to do it in a room that, and on my phone. Like, I know we all have our gorgeous, you know, at-home self-tape, like, 
situations that we know how to do it. We have our equipment, but I was visiting my family, so I didn't have anything. And I recorded a self tape with my boyfriend who played your part. And it was a page and a half of dialogue. And I sent it in and didn't hear anything for months. And then I got a call that I got it. <laughs> wow. That's always, no, because usually you when you get it, you find out like within two or three days. And then the further away, yeah. you're like, well, I clearly didn't get it. Oh, I fully when I got this job and I read it, I was like, oh, this would be truly an unbelievable opportunity. And even Ansley, like the little blurb about Ansley, I was like, I feel Ansley so deeply. I love her. And um, and even the page and a half of dialogue between Howard and Ainsley was so funny. It was so great. And, um, and yeah, it didn't happen. I remember um, I was listening to my friend's podcast and one of our writers, Nick, was a guest on the podcast. And I was like, ah, oh, this guy is writing for this show that I love and he's great. And just everyone involved seems great. And I was like, but you know, it didn't happen. And then I got a call that I got it. And I had to ask what job it was because it had been so long. And then I just, I lost it. I lost it. My boyfriend has a video of it. And I was just so, so excited. And what was your, you, I know you got an email, right? Mm -hmm. What was your, your process again for a loot? Yeah. Mine was almost being stupid, but not stupid. I was just doing my own thing. I was um, pitching a show or I had pitched a show and I was in, process of them deciding on whether or not they were going to pick it up at the, at the time that I got an email about auditioning for this role and I read the script and I saw that Maya Rudolph was involved and I was like that sounds great it sounds wonderful but I was like I'm trying to see if I'm going to have my own show so I don't want to waste their time and go in and audition and then not be able to do it so I just politely declined and then a couple of days later, I got an email from Alan and Matt and basically just, um, you know, it was just more personal than being like, hey, and, you know, we understand that you probably get a lot of auditions and things and maybe you just thought this was some cattle call audition and you didn't want to go. But we are interested in you. And we got this and they had like a letter that they had given me from Maya Rudolph, who was like, I know who you are. I I think that you could kill this role. You'll be great at it. It's going to be a great team atmosphere and we're going to be nice and fun. And I was just like, oh, well, you know, and that was pretty much it. I was like, well, if. Maya Rudolph took the time to write me a email. I'm going to go audition. And then I was happy I did because in between, in between the time that I said I would audition and like two days before the audition, they had decided not to pick up my show. So I had gone from like, I don't even care to like, I kind of need this job. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All worked out. All it worked all worked out. out. I was like, I actually really could use this exact opportunity. <laughs> and I mean, what a testament to the people we're working with that even though you get all these auditions all the time, it's that care and that thoughtfulness of talking to you in that way that you're like, oh, that's probably going to be a great job then, you know, great people to work with. Yeah. And it just because I had become a little bit more not even selective is the word, just kind of apprehensive because I was like, not to say that I'm like, oh, I got any heat now and stuff, but like when I first was on Undateable and doing shows, I did get a little bit of things. And then I was like saying yes to everything. And then I was like, oh, some of these people do know what I'm doing, but some of them are just hearing my name and, mm -hmm. and they heard my name and they think that I'm going to fit right in with things, but they don't know what I really do. And then I would be sitting there doing things that I didn't enjoy. And so I, you know, before I get a job now, I, I like to have those conversations and I tell them, I'm like, Hey, you know, I will go in and, and I will always be prepared and I will go, you know, do, do my home prep on what you want me to do, but I love to play around. And if I can't come in and play around, I don't know if this is a job for me, you know, like, cause some places they don't want you to play around. They want you to stick to what they, what they wrote. And, but that's not the way I work the best. And I just have to be upfront about that instead of taking the job and then sitting on set calling my manager. Cause I'm upset all day, you know? Totally. And I mean, I think you 
do it so well on loot. And I just, I, do you feel how many, cause I have one I'm, I'm waiting for, but I actually asked, I was like, when are we this releasing? Cause I don't want to say it if it hasn't come out yet. I think it's the next episode, but you've seen all of them. So you would know if it's there or not a little. I haven't though. I saw all the first four okay. the only ones that I saw. And then I've been on the road with everyone since then. And yeah, I was excited for, um, this last episode, because um, I just knew how hard I'd worked and how excited. And I imagine you understand from like when you did the um, some of the the spa stuff, where I was just like, oh, it's like I get to interact mostly with Maya and do things with Maya, and I don't want to, um, you know, look intimidated. And so it was really cool to see some, you know, there's some articles that came out that were like, you know, that I killed it and it was good. You and did. So TV line was a TV line. I don't know. I'll give the, I want to do the direct shout out. <laughs> yeah, TV me. line, honorable mention, actor yes. of the week. <laughs> Incredible. No, but it's so amazing. And I'm just so, it's just such a perfect marriage of, you know, I think they're doing such a great showcase for you, but then you are just elevating everything both on camera and off. And it's for me again, like, very trained in musical theater, have had some acting for the camera lessons, but improv is something that I do not have experience with. And so it's been a total masterclass just working with you all and you and Nat and Joel and just, it's so, and Megan, oh my gosh. It's just like some of the best stuff. And it's been so incredible, you know, learning from you all by experience, but no one ever taught, like no one ever teaches you. This is why I think it's interesting about acting. It's if, if you, if I had a great idea, I, I don't even know when you, you know, what you do with that. And I think I even asked Megan and like, what does that ever happen? Never happened for me, but um, <laughs> I never had any great ideas. Although I did have one where we were all talking and my one I was most excited about didn't make it. So I was very happy about that. <laughs> I watch a girl eat the entire menu on Dave and Buster's once on YouTube. That made it into the episode. Um, but um, it's just, I, like, no one ever teaches you. So you have an improv idea for an ad lib. What you do is you go talk to this person or you say, can I have another day? Like, I, that, I wish that was, like, in a book somewhere. Like, mm -hmm. the logistics of how to work on a comedic set and be, it's just, that's, you know, you tell the truth. And you know your lines and you stand where they tell you to stand. But there's all these other things you don't really know about until you experience them. Oh, this is a fun episode, especially for me, because I get to just straight talk comedy. I, I love no, it. Truly, I mean, I, I, what I know about stand-up comedy is from you, Hacks, and my friend Kevin Cohen. So it's like, this is, I just love any information that you have. I'm like, <laughs> please, tell me. Well, it's, it's, it's it really is a difference between like if someone who comes from a traditional acting world because you're taught to like respect the writer so much and to like just deliver their vision and coming from a stand up world, I'm taught that like the best thing I can do is put my words in and my way i'm better at speaking in my tone and just even my rhythms are myself you know and and I'm not ever going to be like a Daniel Day Lewis or the type of people where I can drop myself into somebody else's rhythm or a regional dialect. I don't see that happening for me, but I can yeah. blend those things and put a little bit of myself and things and put more of the character things, especially the more experience I get. But when it comes to improv and just the question that you're asking is really just about making for me, at least I like to, um, and this came from lessons learned because there's sometimes when I was new, I would get on, I'd read the script and I'd go, oh, I don't like that one. And then I remember the first time I, one time, not the first time, but one time I did it and then I caught in the peripheral, it must have been the writer who wrote it because their head just went, Ugh. and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. So I had to learn how to do it in a better way, you know, unless there was something I truly do not want to say if, for you know, whatever reason, because I do think that, you know, I, at, even though I'm playing a character, I have to represent myself and, and not, you know, especially being a black man, there's certain things where I'm like, I don't ever want myself to look a certain level of dumb. Like those are things I don't agree with or just don't want to portray. And, um, 
when it comes to ad-libbing and improvising, it's just like, I'll give you what you want. And it usually comes with like, sometimes just asking Matt or Alan, like, Hey, did you guys, you guys got that? If I have an idea, like, Oh, you guys got that. I want to try something. And then they're always kind of like, cool with it, you know, or sometimes if I'm really excited about something and this was makes it the most fun. It's just like, don't tell anybody just like do it and then see if it works. Cause you know, if it works and I think what Alan and Matt are so good about is that they'll never tell you that sucks. Right. They'll just, if it worked, they'll go, Hey, do that again. You know? And if it doesn't work, they won't say that. <laughs> so you just know, Oh, they didn't ask for it again. So I'll just go back to <laughs> I mean, it just it, it truly, I mean, it's like I have the best job ever because I'm my job is to not la- try to not laugh on the other side of hearing your incredible jokes. And it's very hard, but it's, it's the best thing ever. I mean, even last episode, no, two episodes ago, I think one where you surprised us was talking about how if Maya gets kidnapped, what she was, how was she going to be able to tell where she was? Mm-hmm. Well, it's cheese. She's in a certain place, and it mm-hmm. was, there were some good bits. Well, okay, so like, what blooper reel do we know? What's the story? <laughs> I've heard no no tales of anything like that, but it is. You think that there there are so many things and so many fun things, and actually, it's one of the things I like about the show, even though it is so funny, is that like. It tends to be like whatever they cut is the most silliest thing, right? They keep it grounded in a nice way where I'm like, oh, if, I can see why they took that out, even though it was hilarious, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think I, I had one line where I think I forget who told me they were just like, say this the weirdest way you've ever said something. And that was the line that did not make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. Not to make it. But um, it's just, it's been amazing. And it's been so, and you were talking about like doing scenes with Maya and trying not to look intimidated. And I, yeah, I think that's a huge, huge thing. But also I just wanted to make sure while I was there, I was like, you will play cool and you will be, you will be cool. But I just wanted, and I, I don't, I don't think I could have hit it anyways, just like be so obvious about how much I loved it and how great it was. And I think you were that person that there were a lot of times, whether it's across the conference table or we're strapped into this jet on a gimbal that was in almost famous, we'd be like, look at each other and we're like, this is very cool. And you would be the person I'd like to take the temperature of the room. Like if Ron's like, this is cool, then this is really cool. (laughs) Having a good time. So no, absolutely. I know on the first day, the first day I worked with Maya and that's, and that was part of the thing is never, um, and there's a lesson from stand-up comedy is not to uh, deny some the truth of the room, not to deny what's going on, to acknowledge what's going on. And so first day I was just like, hey, look, I want to be able to treat you as a peer and just be able to work with you. But in order for me to do that, I have to gush about you first and just tell you how much I love you and how much my mom loves you and how much we love your mom and all these things. And I just got that out of the way so then I could go to work, you know, and it just... But I never, I think it's, um, and it's great because it, it works for both of our characters. Both of our characters are very optimistic and, and naive in certain ways. But like, especially after the pandemic, especially everything going on, like, why wouldn't I be like, this is so cool. Like, this is amazing that I'm here with someone like this and I'm working with such a great team like this. And um, for it to be working out and for us to be going back to, I never, you know, and one of the reasons I wanted to stay grateful was that I never took it as a given that we would get a second season. Cause I was like, just because I like something, just because I think it's good, doesn't mean other people will, but it's so nice that, and I feel so happy that we are going to get to go back. I know I'm, I I've never done a second season of television. So I'm so, so excited. And just, it's my dream job. And I'll like run around and just be like, yeah, like I love this. I'm so grateful to be there. And even I just, there, there is nothing like getting to do scenes with everyone is obviously incredible, but truly I could sit at cast holding and eat apples and peanut butter with these group of people. It's just like my favorite little group of people. And Everyone is so awesome and I'm excited and I love the show. Like, it's so funny. It's so beautiful. And then it's also so like 
oh, just so much heart. And I mean, I really do feel like Howard, Howard is so much responsible for that. And it's just really, really, really exciting. And I can't wait to see what ideas they have or where we go or what happens. So. I know. I really, that's what I told my wife the other day. I was like, you know what a secret perk of this job I never even thought about is that it's a, it's a show about rich stuff. So just vicariously, we get to be around rich stuff. And that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a lot of, I'm really lucky you're saying we're optimistic, our characters and everything, but it's been great because I'm, my character is like really nervous sometimes and then just really like excited to be there. And I'm like, when we're in the plane, we're coming out of our limo or we're, we're fancy cars and all those people. I was like, yeah, I was just, I was Daniel Day-Lewis in that moment and that I just, <laughs> it really so it was it was just so cool. And I'm so excited we did get to do it again. And I can't wait to see what happens for all our Little Wells Foundation. Well, let's move on and talk about the <laughs> uh, main topic that I love in this podcast, which is goals. Stephanie, what are your goals right now? Where are you headed towards health-wise, relationship-wise, business-wise, spiritual-wise? course you don't you can keep whatever you want to yourself but whatever you're willing to share with us we're happy to find out what you're working on well as an um listener of getting better with ron funches i will say i recently listened to an episode where you, it was thrown back to you Brittany, a fellow loot cast member threw it back to you and you said you know maintaining a lot of i've i've truly been so happy i've just been so happy personally and doing this job and, you know, working on myself and, you know, during the end of last year and during all of our shooting that, you know, sometimes I did, you know, the little anxiety overthinker in me would be like waiting for the shoe to drop because I was so happy. And I do, Oh, someone else on your podcast talked about how, you know, nothing's final, the good things and bad things come. But I just think it's, you know, maintaining that, like, just really the gratitude for the moment. Obviously, I'd love to work for the mouse. Again, I've worked for the mouse before. I love Disney. And so I'd love to work for them again. And, um, and I, um, I could get real specific and say, wow, to be in a pre-show of an attraction at Disneyland or Walt Disney World, you know, you're about to get on the ride and they have to do a little exposition for you. And, you know, they usually have a big star, but now and then there's someone in the background who's telling you how to put your seatbelt on, would love to do that. And, or just like be a voice or, um, listen, if they ever do a live action Princess and the Frog and they need a Charlotte, always down to clown for that. And then, um, yeah, but I think just working with awesome people is my favorite thing. So I just love getting able to go, being able to go to work and feel confident in what I'm doing, but also learn at the same time is like the chef's kiss. Like that is the, I love improving, learning, mm -hmm. but feeling confident while I'm doing it. So if that could just continue, that'd be great. Love my boyfriend, feel great with my family. And uh, yeah, I, I think those are the biggest thing. And then continuing to like work on myself and, and hold space for the happiness and like try and let go of anxieties and overthinking and perfectionism. I would say those are goals. And I know you, it was recently turned back on you. So you're still, but you're still maintaining. I'm working on maintaining. I, of course, got goals. I want to host uh, my own show again. I love when I hosted Chop 420 and I hosted my show Nice One. I just love hosts. I think I have a great d demeanor for hosting. And I would love to host a show, whether it's like The Price is Right or something of that nature, uh, um, one day again. I, I just love it. And I think it it also would afford me the type of lifestyle to like be more home with my, with my sons. And I think that would be great. I mean, I still love doing stand up and always want to do it, but I am always looking for more reasons to stay home. Cause I find just the more, once I was just always going out, like when I was going out doing stand up three times a week, I just living in that lifestyle. But now that I stay home more and go out less, 
I'm more aware. I'm like, oh, like every time I go out, it messes up my diet. It messes this up for me. It like, messes up my sleep schedule. And I'm like, oh, this job is genuinely bad for my health. <laughs> like, so I'm just trying to find a better work-life balance to make sure that I'm always um, not killing myself just for the rush of being on stage and things like that. Just trying to have a better, a more of a long-term view. Um, but as far as your goals, I think your goals are highly reachable. I mean, uh, I just tend to see the best in people, but also see the accurate things in people. And you are just a Disney princess who is alive like in real life. Like you were just that. That's just that's what I always was joke about on set and thought was a really funny part of the show was that like if if this if loot was set in 2005 you'd be the lead and we'd all be <laughs> walking around you oh. you'd be the zoe de chanel i'd be uh, sure you can here at the wells foundation things get pretty crazy it would be it would be <laughs> wild um well, i can't believe we didn't address this though when you said hosting um family feud yeah i did oh, good great. thank Y'all you one you want what well, spoiler spoiler for anyone listening or watching, but y- y'all were amazing. The whole fam was incredible. And it just was, would you want to do a, is it, would you want to do something when you say host, can we like get that a little, is there a specific? More specific? Yeah. I, you like- I like game shows like a net, like nailed it style shows or like something sweet, but also uh, funny where I can, uh, still make f- jokes and crack, you know, burn people a little bit, but also maybe give them money or fun things. Like, um, I mean, I would, I truly, I would love to host the prices right. I would love to take over from Drew Carey and then have that be my show. I think that would be great. Amazing. I'm all for it. Let me know where I need to talk, sign, do whatever, post to make it happen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really, who you're willing to kill for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well since you are a podcast listener you probably know about what the end of the podcast entails it's about just a little pearl of wisdom a little nugget of joy a little something i don't care where you got it from passed down from childhood oh you know what let me back up before we do this because there was something i wanted to ask you and we got off on conversation and i still want to know so i want to make sure i ask you that even though it, it makes me go on a detour um right. I talked a bit about how what stand up was, you know, and and between stand up and acting, there are things that were helpful for me as far as knowing my rhythm, knowing um, how to hit a line, hit a punchline, and there were things that I had to undo, like you know, like I said, commenting commentating on life as more as opposed to living on life, coming from musical theater into um, on camera world. What what are the things that were bonuses for you and what are the maybe some of the things you had to had to adjust a little bit that's a great question and I think what's in them for me personally what was the most interesting thing is the amount of talk and about how theater actors are too big and you're too big and you have to pull it back and to be smaller was detrimental to me when I started in that I was too small I was not doing a lot and I would watch my old self tapes and be like you're not moving like and it just was so not truthful like the truth of the room and so I think that that was something that I wish I could have just you know gone in with what I knew and then learned from there but I definitely look back on some tapes and I'm like oh you need to do more like you're so not living truthfully in this moment And I think otherwise, again, talking about the logistics of how do you want, how, like you have the improv, you have the idea, but how do you make it happen? That was the most wild thing about transitioning is that, again, you know your lines, you do what they tell you to do physically if it's something specific, you prepare, you tell this truth, what motivation, you know, all the different ways all different actors have of getting there. But for me, it was the the hardest thing to learn was just, you know, how to read a call sheet, uh, how to to know that your sides are, you know, what the day is. And it's going to tell you what 
lunchtime is or just specific, you know, the hardest thing for me at first was not look, you know, a spike mark in theater. Everyone's just looking at the spike mark, looking at the conductor. It's just like accepted as like part of it where it's like your main thing is I would just practice hitting spike marks and not looking at it like before I did on camera jobs, like little things like that. And I did take a two day acting for the camera class in New York with this man named Bob Krakauer. And he just really made it really technical. He was like, you're in a box and you are interpreted through a machine. You are being interpreted through machines. You have to use this machine to the best of your ability. And for me, that was so beneficial in self tapes, whether it's eyeline or, you know, where you're being shot, what you can hold and just making sure you make this box as believable and truthful as possible. So that was probably the theater is great for memorization. The theater is great for, you know, timing. Even what's funny is you saying the thing about read the truth of the room or like you're talking about that with improv. It's even, you know, what you can always count a theater person to do. If something falls on the ground, they don't just like ignore it and pretend it's not there. It's like you pick it up. Or if there's a chair in the way, you move the chair. It's just so like, everyone's like, oh, there's about to be a set piece or a dancer. You just like grab it all. You're aware of what's happening. And that's been really great. of just like being aware of things when they're happening. And I know not to talk during crowd scenes. I'm very like, he's in here, he's in here. It's like not. <laughs> and theater, they don't have time to turn your mics off or anything. So you're always just like, most of my ADR for loot was, um, exclusively positive gasps <laughs> because I would just be like the little theater girl and we would be like, and I had to be like, <gasps> cause I <laughs> like, I can't talk someone's speaking, but um, yeah. So I'd say that that was that. And then when it comes to the, you know, uh, any advice I do think, and I think this conversation was a great example of it. And it's just something that I think I'm all for, positivity and but also let's be realistic there are lots of times that are not positive and life can be heavy however if you can be so enthusiastic about the things you love just anyone who's been like don't be afraid to show enthusiasm about the things you love and I that's just something I'm so passionate about both as like again an adult who elects to love Disney and Brendan Fraser and everything but um and I think you do that too and again like you talking about comic-con it's just so exciting and ultimately a lot of us we you do what you loved when you were a kid and honoring that inner child thing is so huge telling people you think they're terrific and just being honest about the things the people that you are enthusiastic about because I think it only makes other people embrace what they're enthusiastic about more. And also you never know who needs to hear that you think what they're doing is cool. No, absolutely. I think that's one of my favorite things to do because I just know I'm never at a point. Cause sometimes people are like, Oh, you're probably sick of hearing it. And I'm like, never, <laughs> never. I'm sick of people who sell me the opposite, but I'm never sick of people telling me that I'm doing a good job or something made them feel good that I did. And it, it, it could, if you hit somebody on the right day with that, it can really change their day. Cause sometimes you forget what you're doing. Um, it's the thing that, you know, I'd always told my wife and she didn't really get until she, we did family feud. And I always told her, I go, it's such a weird job emotionally because I get excited about a job when I get it. And then everybody else gets excited about the job when it comes out. And by the time that it comes out, I'm already either a worried that I'm not going to have a job or hoping that I get to come back. So it's the, um, the emotions that I have never match what's going on out, you know, for the outside world. And she was like, Oh, I get it with family doing, cause we did family feud months ago. And she's like, now everybody's so excited. And I'm like, I'm over that. <laughs> that's true and that's very specific to on camera work and being on camera because it's stand up you're getting that immediate reaction and I mean guest specials and stuff but it's just like and theater you're getting that immediate reaction it's happening and then you it just it's gone but it's like no this is this odd the timing and even the not really I didn't ever talk about loot 
because I was so trying to, I was like, this is the best job. I'm not going to mess anything up. So we signed something at one point that was like, don't talk about this until it's happening. And I was, wasn't announced before it. So I just told no one didn't do anything. And now, and now it's like, oh yeah, this is this thing I did for six months when it seemed like I was doing nothing. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful. And I, everyone on our show is awesome on off camera on Zooms, off Zoom, and I'm just so, so grateful, Ron, and so grateful for you, what you're doing on this podcast and everywhere in life. So, bravo. Here's cheers with my Zevia that I know you love. <laughs> oh, I love what flavor you got. Um, today we're sampling the Cherry Cola. Ooh, that's my favorite of all the really? flavors. They're yeah. hard to get. They're they hard really to get. They really are. Oh, I know this is a set. Just people might not even understand. But the hardest ones to get that I enjoy right now, cherry cola, creamy root beer. <laughs> not regular root beer. Yes. Creamy. There is a huge difference. Big difference between the regular. The regular root beer is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But that creamy is on another level. And then I just, which one's not hard to find, but Dr. Z. Dr. Z hits you just right sometimes. Oh, I haven't tried Dr. Z. What I do is if I can't get cherry cola, I'll get regular cola and I'll do the black cherry soda. Mm -hmm. Try and make it. Not the same, but no. you know, satisfies. Yeah. satisfies. It's a no. different black cherry flavor. It's a different cherry flavor in the black cherry Zevia. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought this podcast would end up <laughs> you and I here promoting? Yeah, not a sponsor. No, yeah. not yet, but they're welcome to come aboard because you're really all in my fridge. You're all in my garage fridge. You and Topo Chico, come aboard. Oh, so good. So good. Where can people, where would you like people to follow you or find you? Or I assume you want them to watch loot. Uh, anything else? <laughs> I would love them to binge the first eight episodes of loot on Apple TV plus and stay tuned for the last two and the explosive finale of loot. And, um, and I, um, Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram at B-Y-S-T-Y-L-E-S. Or traditionally, you can count that I will be at Disneyland probably once a month. So those would be the spots. But um, but yeah, those are the places. Loot, L-O-O-T, Apple TV Plus. We're there. Well, We're there. <laughs> We're there. We're coming back for more. Please check yes. it out. Stephanie, a pleasure talking with you as always. Brought You're just a quick fan, but you're a favorite right away. My mom loves you. My wife <laughs> loves you. I love your, your boyfriend. You're just, oh, you're just good people. And, if, and when you find good people, you got to try to stick with them because they can be rare. So I'm just so happy. I know you're so, uh, feel so blessed and, and, grateful to about you know being around these people like maya and stuff but we are truly lucky to uh work with you and i can't wait i can't wait not only for the future of loot but also for the years to come where i can then one day people will be like you used to work with that lady she's a superstar and i'm like no i know her i do know her she i have her old phone number i can't call her no more but i do know her you'll always have my phone number I, i'll remind you that it's me i'll be like ron this is me in the group chat and that'll be for the rest of the <laughs> i do need that i don't know who it's who hi you do what i did i just looked at the area codes and remember try to remember where people were from <laughs> and then generally you can tell like nat's probably not texting the same thing that kayla's texting so it's pretty uh oh yeah yeah that's different <laughs> it's a little different <laughs> stephanie styles thank you for ron. coming on the podcast Thank you for having me. You're a delight. My cheeks hurt. I'm You're so a happy. delight. Thank you all for listening. Bye. <laughs>